Today is 2 July. It's a whole new month. It's hot out there, too. I'll tell you that. 2 July, I'm Charlie Garrett, and this is the CG Prophecy Report for the week. AI and lefties. That and a lot of other things to go over on today's report. Okay, we got uh, some news from Israel, from the Times of Israel. U.S. envoy sparks outcry appearing to equate Palestinian gunmen with Israeli terror victims. This is our ambassador to Israel. U.S. ambassador to Israel, Tom Nides, sparks an outcry. Deeply concerned, this is his tweet, deeply concerned about the civilian deaths and injuries that have occurred in the West Bank these past 48 hours, including that of minors praying for the families as they mourn the loss of loved ones or tend to those injured. Knight's tweets in reference to six Palestinians killed in an IDF raid on Janine. It was yesterday at the time, and four Israelis killed in a terror attack today near the West Bank settlement of Eli. Among the Palestinian dead were several gunmen claimed by terror groups. And he's saying how sad he is that they got... It's just unbelievable. This is, you know, we've got an administration right now that is running our relationship with Israel right into the ground. From the Times of Israel, Netanyahu says IDF training for possible fight with Arab Israelis in wartime. Think about that. They're citizens of Israel, and they are concerned that these citizens of Israel may turn against Israel, and they're preparing a contingency for that. Uh, we've got an Arab-Israeli friend that would never do that, but, you know, when those guys go in to wipe out a town of people attacking them, they're not going to say, well, that one's a Christian and that one is a, a Muslim or that one is a foe or whatever. They're just going to try to subdue whatever's going on. So it's something that kind of is a double-edged sword for these people. Prime Minister Netanyahu reportedly informed lawmakers that the IDF is training to deploy masses of soldiers to counter a possible fifth column of enemy states. Netanyahu revealed the preparations during a recent closed-door meeting with the Knesset Foreign Affairs and Defense Committee. The Prime Minister reportedly told lawmakers that 10 divisions of soldiers are training for such a possibility. The discussion over facing internal violence from the Arab-Israeli community during wartime has gained prominence in recent years. During May 2021, massive riots broke out in many Arab towns and mixed Israeli cities, home to large numbers of both Arabs and Jews, during an 11-day conflict between Israel and Hamas in Gaza. In June 2022, the previous government announced the formation of a National Guard that would be activated in emergencies, citing lessons learned from the unrest the previous year. The plan never developed, but current National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Giver has been pushing for a voluntary National Guard that would be controlled by his ministry. In May, ministers voted in favor of forming such a guard, which would potentially be under Ben-Giver's control. Something they've got to deal with there from the Times of Israel. Video of Arabic-speaking IDF soldiers laughing and cursing Israel goes viral. Same week this happens. A group of Arabic-speaking Israeli soldiers who filmed themselves joking about supporting Janine and Palestinians in the wake of an IDF raid there this week, which was last week now, drew outrage. 
The video, which one of the soldiers posted to social media, shows a group of four men in IDF uniform laughing and speaking Arabic, saying, God supports Janine, God supports Palestine, and Israel can go to H-E double hockey sticks. They didn't actually say that. I just said that. Okay. <laughs> the soldiers serve in the logistics corps and film the video while on a military base in the south. In response to the video's circulation, the IDF spokesperson issued a statement saying that the soldier's behavior contravenes IDF values and will be disciplined. You think? They had later said they had been arrested and a military police investigation opened. However, they were released a short time later. In a statement to the Army Radio, a lawyer for the soldier said that the video had been heavily edited. In most of the conversation, the suspects came to the defense of the IDF soldiers. It is appropriate that the treatment be only disciplinary and not criminal, the lawyer said. Then from the Times of Israel, I think this was the next day, Arabic-speaking troops jailed by IDF for video of them joking about deadly Janine raid. The military announced that five Arabic-speaking Israeli soldiers who filmed themselves joking about supporting Janine and Palestinians in the wake of an IDF raid have been sentenced to up to a month in jail. The IDF said four of the soldiers were sentenced to 30 days in the brig, while a fifth soldier received 21 days. The IDF condemns the comments made in the video the Army said. Man, you got to have discipline when you're in the military, and uh, unfortunately, we're not getting it in the United States military right now. They got people that ought to be in the brig by the bucketful. They're not being sent there. They're being applauded, and we're going to have problems in our own military in the days ahead. I remember when I was in uh, Yokota Air Base in Japan, I volunteered one time to uh, take care of, um, I can't remember what they called it, something detention. It was the last thing before being sent to the brig. And uh, I, what was that called? Anyway, I um, did the night shift. I volunteered to do 12-hour night shifts taking care of these people. And uh, I did not make it happy on them. I'd go, wake them up at 2 o'clock in the morning and have a fire drill or, you know. Hey, man, these people need discipline. They have gone and they have really screwed up and they're given a last chance before they go to prison. And you don't want to be in a military prison. Now they probably give you donuts and coffee every morning, but it wasn't that way. And my thought was, I'm going to make these people not want to come back to this place. And I was not kind at all to them. I mean, I was friendly to them as a human being, but I kept them on their toes the entire time because these people need to know, you know, they're not making wise decisions. Young men going overseas and doing things they shouldn't be doing. The IDF did the right thing with these guys and hopefully they'll learn their lesson. But if not, I wouldn't be surprised if we read about them being discharged. We'll see from the CBS uh, model for pride. <sighs> Local rabbi becomes first gay man to lead prominent Minnesota synagogue. I just threw him up under Israel because he's Jewish. And there you go. The twin cities pride festival is this weekend, which I think is last weekend. But anyway, uh, but for the Jewish community, it's also the Shabbat, like every week. Only this Saturday, one rabbi is making history in Minnesota. Rabbi Aaron Weingerner is the first gay man to be promoted to senior rabbi at one of the largest synagogues in the state. The 27th verse written in the opening chapter of Genesis speaks to God's making man, Betzalem Elohim, in the Almighty's image. Actually, it would be in the image of God, but it's a verse that also is inscribed in the heart and soul of Weininger. Okay, I don't think it's inscribed in his heart at all. If he knew what he was dealing with, he would not be doing what he's doing. But this is 
pervasive in the Jewish society. It's pervasive in the church today. It's something that is just getting out of control in this nation. We've got some news concerning Christianity from The Guardian. Revealed New Orleans Archdiocese concealed serial child molester for years. Now, this was a very long article. I took out the parts that I thought were pertinent. Um, here we go. The last four Roman Catholic archbishops, four of them, of New Orleans, went to shocking lengths to conceal a confessed serial child molester who is still living but has never been prosecuted. Back in 1999, Lawrence Hecker confessed to his superiors at the Archdiocese of New Orleans that he had either sexually molested or otherwise shared a bed with multiple teenagers whom he met through his work as a Roman Catholic priest. Hecker confessed to the misconduct or abuse of seven teenagers between 1966 and 1979, including overtly, well, you can guess, I'm not going to read that, but um, in other cases he either reported, and I can't read any of that, including once on another overnight trip to a Texas theme park. The organization responded in part by sending Hecker to an out-of-state psychiatric treatment facility, which diagnosed him as a pedophile who rationalized, justified, and took little responsibility for his behavior. Now, this guy was protected by four cardinals. The facility also recommended that the archdiocese prohibit Hecker from working with children, adolescents, or other especially vulnerable people. But Hecker did not stop working. In fact, after a sabbatical of a few months, the church ultimately allowed him to continue until his retirement in 2002. Notably, the archdiocese only stopped paying Hecker retirement benefits in 2020. Citing a moral obligation it had to all clerics, the archdiocese waited until after it filed for federal bankruptcy protection that year, in part because of litigation in the wake of the clergy abuse list, to stop paying these benefits. That's the only reason why they stopped paying it. The judge overseeing the bankruptcy ordered it. They were protecting these people, and they were paying them. Supporting. Supporting them. Gateway Pundit. Pope Francis welcomes artists who, you probably heard about this if you didn't, it's so disgusting. He, this is the artist up in New York who submerged a crucifix in a glass of urine. Pope invited him to the Vatican. Pope Francis has once again stunned Catholics as he welcomed photographer Andres Serrano to the Vatican. Serrano is the creator of the controversial, and I'm going to call him P-Christ, that's not what he says, it's another word for P, in which he submerged a model of Jesus Christ on the crucifix in his own urine. Pope Francis welcomed 200 artists to the Sistine Chapel to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Vatican's collection of contemporary art. Thank you for accepting my invitation. I'm happy to be with you because the church has always had a relationship with artists that can be described as both natural and special. The pontiff told the artists, including Serrano, when this P. Christ was exhibited in 1989, some 50 U.S. senators and 150 representatives complained that the taxpayer-funded NEA had financed the exhibition and the NEA's budget was eventually cut as a result. During the controversy, Serrano played dumb about why it was offensive, saying, I had no idea that P. Christ would get the attention it did since I meant neither blasphemy nor offense by it. Oh. Yeah, right. I've been a Catholic all my life. I 
sounds like Biden. So I'm a follower of Christ. Pope Francis said, artists remind us that the dimension in which we move, even unconsciously, is always that of the spirit. This is what we're dealing with in the world today. Yeah, demon spirit. Reuters, Vatican document urges talks on welcoming LGBTQ people, women's role. Roman Catholic bishops should discuss how the church can be more welcoming to these people and divorcees. They should also reflect on how to give women more decision-making power and allowing them to be ordained deacons. The 50-page working document for a global synod of the bishops also proposes discussion on allowing married men to become priests in remote areas, a possibility that Pope Francis put on hold following talks in a similar meeting in 2019. It even appears to suggest that the church should be understanding towards those in polygamous relationships. One question for discernment in the document reads, how can we create spaces where those who feel hurt by the church and unwelcomed by the community feel recognized, received, free to ask questions and not judged? Okay, we got some news from the Mideast in Africa today, from all Israel. Western official claims the emerging Iran deal is meant to prevent an Israeli military attack. If the Iranians miscalculate, the potential for a strong Israeli response is something that we want to avoid. The Sultanate of Oman, which enjoys ties with both Iran and the West, has reportedly acted as a mediator in recent secret negotiations between the Biden admin and the Ayatollah regime in Tehran, which Biden denies, but I don't know how they can do that. While the deal is neither official nor final, it is expected to be an interim agreement between Iran and the world powers. According to the official, Washington would reportedly waive almost $20 billion in sanctions against Tehran in exchange for Iran halting its uranium enrichment at its 60% purity. The percentage of purity is below the 90% weapons-grade level, but remains vastly above the 3.67% level stipulated in the controversial 2015 Iran nuclear deal. So they had 3.67% uranium that they were authorized to purify. They went up to 60%. That's okay. We're going to give them $20 billion. In addition, Washington allegedly demands that Iran free American hostages and its proxy attacks on U.S. contractors in the Mideast and stop the export of ballistic missiles to Russia. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu recently warned that the West had no agreement that would curb a potential Israeli military strike against Iran's nuclear program. Israel's not going to comply any longer with this type of nonsense. From Breitbart. Ayatollah Khamenei says nothing is wrong with potential Biden nuclear deal. I, yeah, because they're the winners all the way through and through on it. Iranian Supreme Leader Khamenei said there is nothing wrong with reviving the nuclear deal under Biden, but the infrastructure of our nuclear industry should not be touched. Khamenei maintained Iran's insistence, despite considerable evidence to the contrary, that it does not seek to develop nuclear weapons. From Breitbart, Fulani jihadists slaughter 700 Christians as farewell to Nigeria's Buhari. 
a Catholic human rights activist and chairman of the International Society for Civil Liberties and Rule of Law, declared in a June 12th report that Plateau State was the worst hit, accounting for the murders of 350 Christians while another 110 Christians were massacred in Benue State. Going back slightly further, the report notes that at least 1,100 defenseless Christians were hacked to death by Nigerian government-backed Islamic jihadists in the past 60 days, or between 12 April and 12 June 2023. An ongoing slaughter translating to a daily average of 17 Christians. The period under review represents one of the bloodiest in anti-Christian attacks in Nigeria. This ought to be on the headline of every news in America. And you have to go to some Breitbart, some right-wing site for, to even see it. Anyway, regarding this year-to-date, 2,150 Christians have been slaughtered by non-state actors, Nigerian government-backed Islamic jihadists in the past 160 days from the 1st of January to the 12th of June, 2023. It said, while another 1,400 Others were abducted. So you're up to about almost 4,000 people now that have been either butchered or abducted. And that means they're probably young women. The International Society for, or being Muslims, they may be young men. The International Society for Civil Liberties and Rule of Law has been sharply critical of the ongoing regime of President Buhari and Vice President Osin Bajo, accusing them of operating a government for the destruction of Easterners and Christians. The Buhari regime channeled government energies and resources towards systematic annihilation of Christians and defenseless citizens of old eastern Nigeria. The Fulani Jihadism Project included intel gathering, violent attacks, occupation, and conversion which means if you don't convert, you get killed. It's stated in a report adding that tens of thousands of defenseless Christians were massacred in eight years and tens of thousands of churches and other Christian knowledge centers burned down or wantonly destroyed. That's Nigeria. Now something interesting from Mongolia, from Xinhua. China-Mongolia border port handles record high volume of daily goods. The daily volume of goods handled by Gankmode Port, the largest highway on the China-Mongolia border, has surpassed 170,000 tons so far this year. This marks a record high volume of daily goods handled by the port. As of Thursday, the port had already handled more than 15 million tons of goods, a year-on-year growth of over 200%. Attributing this growth to the intelligent and streamlined customer's clearance, Gunk Mode Port is a major energy import channel for the country and an import hub on the China-Mongolia-Russia economic corridor. It is also the region's first highway port to reach the 10 million ton mark in 2023. Very interesting. Okay. Daniel prophesied that technology would increase in the end times. From Fox, AI can predict person's politics by their looks. Now, this is AI. This isn't some subjective thing. This is AI, whether they smile in pictures. A study, guess what? Can you just guess? Okay. A study conducted in Denmark found the tech found right wing politicians were more likely to have happy facial expressions, while people pictured with neutral facial expressions were more likely to identify as left-wing. The study, using deep learning to predict ideology from facial photographs, 
expressions, beauty, and extra facial info, found that AI can predict a person's political ideology with 61% accuracy. The scientists tried to pin down exactly what info contributes to the predictive success of these techniques. Humans are able to read another person's face and make judgments almost immediately about personality, intelligence, and even political ideology. The scientists trained the neural network with thousands of photos of politicians from the nation's 2017 municipal elections, noting elections were not highly polarized nor competitive, and referred to the politicians as the last amateurs in politics. They did away with any photos of candidates who were not explicitly left or right wing, they're being very neutral in this, were not of European ethnic origin and had been photographed with a beard. That would, I'd be out of that one, but that's okay. The photos only depicted the facial features of the candidates, not photos with backgrounds that could alter predictions. The researchers were then left with 4,647 photos of political candidates, 1,442 of which depicted female politicians. In all, the research found that the AI trained on the data could accurately predict ideology to the tune of 61%, showing the algorithms could predict political affiliation better than pure chance. The research found female politicians who were more attractive were more likely conservative, while attractiveness and masculinity for men was not tied to political ideology. Faces of both men and women who appeared happier were also more likely to be right-wing, while neutral face facial expressions meant that politicians were more likely members of left-wing parties. The study added that though it was more rare, women who showed contempt on their faces were more likely left-leaning. These results are credible given that previous research using human raters has also highlighted a link between attractiveness and conservatism. <laughs> it's a dangerous world, including the inevitable plagues the book of Revelation prophesies of. From USA Today. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about this. I reported on this about a year, maybe a year and a half ago in Newport Ritchie. Now it's spread to somewhere else. Giant invasive snails put parts of Florida under quarantine. And when they say quarantine, no dirt can be taken out of their area. You can't take your recycle, uh, you know, your landfill recycle stuff. Nothing can leave. A quarantine zone has popped up in South Florida. The quarantine concerns stopping the spread of giant African land snails, one of which was spotted in the Miramar area of Broward County earlier this month. Under the quarantine, which spans an area including Pembroke Road and South University Drive in Broward County, it is illegal to remove a giant African land snail from the designated area and to otherwise relocate or move it even within the area. This rule also applies to relevant plants, soil, compost, yard waste, and debris that could harbor the snails or their eggs. It is a very tight lockdown on these things. The FDACS will treat the effective area with a pesticide called snail bait, approved by EPA for use on crops and in residential areas. The pesticide works by targeting what gives snails and slugs their signature slimy feel, hindering their ability to produce mucus and leading to dehydration, issues with digestion and mobility, and eventually leading to death. 
While issuing a quarantine over snails may sound extreme, the hubbub can be attributed to the species' extraordinary talent for destruction. The giant African land snail is capable of causing extensive damage to tropical and subtropical environments, meaning it can prove devastating to Florida agriculture and wildlife. In fact, the USDA reports that it took the government 10 years and a million dollars to eradicate the snail after its initial stateside discovery in South Florida in the 1960s. Unfortunately, the species found its way back in 2011 when another 10-year campaign was launched, this time racking up a bill of almost $23 million. Bad stuff. Miami Herald, I know you've heard about this. If you haven't, you have not been awake. Malaria alert issued in Florida. Four people in, anybody? Sarasota County have fallen ill with malaria. And the FDH has issued a statewide mosquito-borne illness alert, the department said this week. The CDC also has issued an alert after the Florida cases and one case in Texas are the first instances of locally transmitted malaria in the U.S. since 2003. Now, I've gotten lots and lots of emails from people saying this is Bill Gates doing this and blah. It's not. This happens when a person goes, and people do this all day long. They go down to Cuba, or they go down to the Virgin Islands, or they go to Africa to visit family. They come back, and they've been bit by mosquitoes with malaria there. They come back, they get bit here, and that mosquito then goes to another person. That's all it is. This is not a virulent form of malaria. It's not one of the really dangerous ones, but it is here now in Sarasota County. So if you start feeling like you've got malaria symptoms, get right down to SMH and get it taken care of, okay? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I should have looked that up before I, but if you start feeling bad, check online what are malaria symptoms like and uh, get down to the hospital, okay? Uh, morality is declining from Breitbart. I, it, this just makes me so angry. Army Special Ops posts intersex inclusive progressive pride flag on social media. Army Special Operations. I was so mad I made a tweet and they, they banned my tweet. I just, it, it's just disgusting what they're doing to this nation. It is literally vile. Gateway Pundit. California Democrats advance legislation to give therapists unconditional power to remove 12-year-olds from their parents. Politico. New Jersey sues three school districts over transgender notification policy. Outing these students against their will poses serious mental health risks, says the lawsuit. Yeah, they already are mental. Fox, Senator John Kennedy, unless you think there's an award for being stupid, you know there are two biological sexes. From the post-millennial. NHL announces teams will no longer wear LGBTQ pride jerseys. They obviously have had a downturn in attendance or something. People are sick of this, and so they're not going to do it. MSN, drugs killing more than homicides, suicides, natural disease combined after British Columbia decriminalization. You decriminalize drugs, and now it is killing more people than homicides, suicides, and natural disease. Yep. Hello. Study finds legalizing marijuana linked to spikes in deadly car accidents in several U.S. states. (laughs) It's like we have to be trained stuff that two-year-olds should know. Yes. Okay, we got some other news for you here. Zero Hedge. 
Here's what officially caused the deadliest barn fire involving cattle in Texas history. I don't know if you heard about this. I don't think I reported on it. There was a cattle farm in Texas, 18,000 milking cows, and it blew up. Okay, we have seen, if you want, there is a guy that has a site, and it shows everything that handles food in America and that has burned down or that has been attacked or that has had, and it has exploded in the past couple of years. We are talking about so many that when you look at a map of America, all you see are stars everywhere, okay? And not just America, this is all over the world. They are, people are targeting food infrastructure. But this is on that one farm, 18,000 cows were literally incinerated. This was a giant explosion. Okay, the official report on the deadliest barn fire involving cattle in Texas history and in the last decade has deemed it an accident. The April 10th blaze at South Fork Dairy in Demet, Texas killed almost 18,000 dairy cows and critically injured one employee who later recovered. According to the Castro County Sheriff's Office, South Fork Dairy was one of the largest dairy farms in the country, located about 75 miles northwest of Lubbock. The fire marshal report obtained through an open record request said the cause of the inferno that created a large black plume of smoke high over the Texas prairie was caused by an engine fire in a manure vacuum truck. Now remember that, engine fire in a manure vacuum truck. Fires have killed many thousands of chickens and cattle across America, prompting widespread concerns about food security. It looks like terrorism, Carlson said on his show after the massive fire at the South Fork uh, Dairy. That's Tucker Carlson. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But maybe someone should explain how it isn't. Several weeks later, the Texas Fire Marshal's office called the dairy blaze accidental. But the official report noted something unusual. A second Mensch manure vacuum truck, the same make and model as the one used inside the barn at the time of the fire, had previously burned due to an engine fire. The investigation report noted that the second truck was parked outside the east side of the barn near a generator, where it had remained undisturbed since its engine caught fire. Local news reports cited a Texas State Fire Marshal's news release saying that a third vacuum truck fire had occurred at another dairy. The statement gave no further detail. The agency's news release stressed that no foul play was indicated and the incident was not a terrorist attack or any type of event caused to interrupt the milk supply. Yet, the vacuum trucks have no history of malfunctioning, according to a written statement from Mensch Manufacturing. No one has identified any issue with the machine, and we are unaware of any issue with the machine that would have caused a fire. In our nearly four decades of operation, we have had no claims about defective equipment that led to a fire. Livestock deaths from fires have been increasing. A recent AWI study shows from 2018 to 2021, 539 fires killed nearly 3 million animals. And that's just animal fires. There are fires in, you know, grain silos and fire. It is everywhere. Things are being burnt everywhere. And like I said, it's not just the U.S. Go to Australia, look at that map, and it is everywhere in this world. They are targeting food supplies. Yeah. You don't have one truck that catches on fire and it just sits there abandoned and then a couple weeks later another truck in the same place catch on fire and then they find a third truck that had the same problem when there was never a reported problem with it ever in four decades 
with it not being suspect. From Zero Hedge, half of Russia's strategic missile units have been rearmed with hypersonics. President Putin has revealed the status of Russia's hypersonic and nuclear-capable arsenal within the context of the Ukrainian war. Putin said about half of the units of Russia's strategic missile force have been equipped with the latest Yars missile systems and are being rearmed with the modern avant-garde warheads. In light of the new challenges and invaluable experience of the special military operation, we will continue to improve the armed forces in every possible way adding that the most important task here was to develop the nuclear triad as the key guarantee of Russia's military security and global security. Putin also announced that the new Sarmat missile launchers would enter duty soon. The arsenals of aviation and naval components of strategic nuclear forces are being replenished in strict accordance with the timetable, he emphasized. Russia's nuclear triad allows for effective and guaranteed strategic deterrence and maintains the global balance of power. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw this last week. I mentioned that um, the uh, guy had gone to Belarus and it was just after they had sent nukes to Belarus and it kind of seemed suspect. Uh, This morning, I read an article that these people that went to Belarus, the supposed people that were fighting against their own government, are now building a military base in Belarus. Things just are not adding up with this one, I'll tell you that. From Zero Hedge, San Francisco ranked worst run city in America. Yeah, probably in the world by now. Wallet Hub researchers analyzed 149 cities via a quality of services score. They were able to find the score by using 36 metrics like high school graduation rates, public hospital system quality, and crime rates, condensing those metrics into six categories, which were then measured against the city's per capita budget. It seems like almost overnight, Democrats have transformed a once thriving city into a hellhole riddled with crime and drugs. Failed policies and no accountability from lawmakers are disgusting. Quite honestly, the city might not recover for years. It's time to consider moving to an area where living expenses and crime are much lower. San Francisco. From KTLA, four out of ten Californians say they are seriously considering leaving the state, a poll shows. For the third straight year, California's population declined amid rising housing costs and people feeling like their money just doesn't go as far as it used to. More than 1,300 people were included in the poll and were asked to weigh in on several topics, including the state's diversity, economy, and overall satisfaction with living in California. Of those who are considered moving, 61% said it was due to how expensive it is to live in California, while 27% said they were considering moving due to the state's politics. Satisfaction with the California economy also took a big hit in the recent poll, dropping 12 points from a poll conducted in 2020 and five points since last year. Zero hedge. Staggering. Children from fatherless homes most affected by mental health and behavioral issues. And you wonder why the government does what it does to get people to not get married. Roughly one in four U.S. children are living in fatherless homes, causing undeniable negative effects on the children's behavior and mental health, according to a report published by the American First Policy Institute. 
Comparing several dozen studies conducted from 1987 to 2022, the AFPI, a nonpartisan research institute working to advance policies that put the American people first, found clear correlations between children raised in fatherless homes and developmental challenges ranging from bad grades, anxiety, and suicide to violent behavior, drug use, and criminality. Data from the DOJ suggests even though this group comprises just a quarter of all youth, 63% of youth suicides occur in fatherless homes, as do 85% of children with behavioral disorders. The link to crime and incarceration is also clear. Some data suggests that fatherless kids are 20 times more likely to be incarcerated. From oil price, House Republicans, and this is not a good idea if you know your history, House Republicans proposed the study of an oil naval blockade of China. Does anybody remember World War II when we did an oil blockade of Japan? It started World War II. There are other ways to handle these issues than blockade somebody and put their back against the wall. Not smart. Zero hedge. Almost a third of America's homeless population. That wasn't the only reason, but that was one of the reasons that they had that. Zero hedge. Almost a third of Americans' homeless population lives in California. One third of all homeless people, California. Gateway Pundit. Illinois gives $300,000 to a BLM group that appears to be inactive. They just send them money with no accountability at all. Nobody there. Just put it in their bank account. Gateway Pundit. New York City to crack down on wood-fired pizza joints to reduce carbon emissions up to 75%. Wood-fired pizza. Okay, who said it? It would be very difficult to explain why the universe would have begun this way, except as the act of a God who intended to create beings like us. Who said that? You're not going to believe it. Stephen Hawking. He had to admit it. It's just, there's no other way to come to that conclusion than that. Okay, I got a lesseric here for you. It's built on a lesseric he did a year ago when I reported on the same type of problem. You are likely to say, what the hell? Did you guys see the size of that snail? Want to touch? No, no, no. You cannot escargot. You must let the restriction prevail. Very escargot snails. Okay, good. Okay, it's so depressing hearing this news. I understand that. It's very depressing. This nation is in a tailspin. This world is in a tailspin. Okay. Um, We were talking this morning before we got started, a couple of us, about what we can do to bring people to their senses. And I'm not sure that's possible. But one thing that I know, I know this with all certainty, is that the Bible says that it is the leader or it demonstrates us. The leader of a nation directs that nation. Okay. In the book of Kings and Chronicles, when a king turned away from the Lord, the society turned away from the Lord. We will not have a uh, revival in this nation. I'm talking about spiritual revival without the government first being humbled. What that will take, I don't know. But that is something that we need to pray about. Uh, We had one suggestion this morning that people pray four hours a day. In other words, whenever it comes to your mind, pray about where to go with this nation. Okay, because if we don't do that, prayer is an effective way of uh, handling things. 
Um, we talked about what would it take to have a Gideon type of movement? Well, the Lord spoke to Gideon. All right, we've got a Bible that tells us what to do, but it doesn't give us specifics like Gideon. So I'm not sure what to do there, but we should all be considering this. We're coming up on the 4th of July. We live in a great nation or a once great nation. We live in a nation that uh, uh, has a lot of potential. It's fed the whole world. Even to this day, if you go to embassies, for example, in the Philippines, when I was there in the 80s, there's Embassy Row, all the embassies lined up. And there was, you didn't have to ask where is the U.S. Embassy because there was a line of people that went for blocks and blocks at seven o'clock in the morning waiting to get in when they opened at nine, okay? That's the country that people want to come to, but it's not going to remain a great nation or even a moderate nation that we're at right now if we do not humble ourselves before the Lord. Um, one of the things, what's that? It, well, that's right. If it's prophecy, but that's a fatalistic attitude, and I did not bring that up this morning because I understand the Bible says that things are going to get worse. It does not say that France will not get better or that the U.S. will not have a revival. Okay, I understand those things. The world is going to follow a certain path, but I am not going to be a fatalist because I don't know the dating of that path. Okay, all I know is that we should be petitioning the Lord for our government, our leaders, and I don't care if it means that they have a great, great problem up in Washington, D.C., something so massive that it causes the entire nation to come to its knees. That doesn't bother me at all. Okay, it almost worked in uh, 9 11, 2001, yes. but very quickly that was undone. Yeah. We need something that is uh, going to change the hearts of these people. Yes. And until that happens, it's not going to happen. So that's just my recommendation to you. Be of good cheer despite it all, because as Jim said, the book is written. There is an end to this. We just don't know when it is. And uh, so we have our part during this time that we're given on earth to do what we should do. So please do that. Um, all right. Got a couple ironies for you here, and then we'll be done. From the Daily Wire, some people, a ABC analyst says Hunter got harsher treatment because he is a Biden. Yeah, unbelievable. Okay, and then from NTD, Fauci says normalization of untruths, Fauci, Fauci says normalization of untruths has him worried about the country's future. <laughs> the king of untruth. Yeah. Such is the world in which we live. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett, and that is your CG Prophecy Report for the week.